Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. This morning's scripture is Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This is the word of our Lord. My name is Ron Ragsdale. Uh, I'm a member of the Vine leadership team. My wife's name is Stephanie. I like her. Uh, so we have this distinctive that talks about us. The distinctive is biblically rooted. And I, I love our distinctives. Uh, here they are, all six of them together. Last week we covered Jesus centered. Uh, distinctives are what you want people to say about you, what you want them to experience from you and with you. It's kind of like what you want people to say at your funeral. And yeah, our, our vine distinctives are true. And they're also aspirational. But we're always living into them. We're always living up to them. And today we're talking about biblically rooted. Now, if you're in graduate school studying to become a Presbyterian minister, to become an ordained Presbyterian pastor, you have to pass a number of critical exams. The first of these gateways is called the Bible Content Exam. Now, there's a preparation course, uh, kind of like driver's ed when you're 16. And here in Austin, the person, a professor who was teaching the preparation course was traveling one summer, and so he asked me to take his place, and I became the, the proctor, the teacher of the Bible content exam preparation course. How do you think you do on the Bible content exam? Well, let's find out. I'm going to give us just three questions out of the hundred they change every year, but I'm going to give us just three questions. Here is question number one. Which of the following was the result of the mission of the 12 spies? A, Miriam sang a song of victory to the Lord. B, the rod of Aaron sprouted forth buds and bore ripe almonds. C, Moses stuck a rock twice so that water came forth. Or D, Israel remained in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, I'm not going to have you raise hands, or, but just, I do want you to remember your answer. Pick your answer. Okay, and now the correct answer is D. I see some happy people. Yes, I saw high fives over here. <laughs> it comes from Numbers chapters 13 and 14 in the Old Testament. And honestly, it is just one of the coolest stories. You know, it's Moses and all the people. This is after the Exodus, you know, the uh, Egypt and the plagues, the Red Sea, all that stuff. And now 
the people are just outside of the promised land. I mean, the whole point of all this was get to the promised land, and they're just outside. And so Moses picks one guy from each of the 12 tribes to secretly go in and spy out the land, see who's there, see what's going to happen. And so these 12 guys go in, spy out the land, and, you know, like there's people there, and they're pretty tough people. And so 10 of the 12 come back, and they're scared. They're so scared that they actually make a worse report about what they found there. Like, there's even giants living there. But two of them, two of them saw the same thing, but they say, God is with us. The land is ours. Allez, let's go. So 10 verses the two. The people believe the ten and not the two. And they cry out, oh, we never should have come here. We might as well go back to Egypt. It's horrible. Only two said we should go. And, uh, and so God in response, because this was seen as a great rejection of Yahweh their God, who had been so faithful to them up to this point. This was a rejection of God and God is angry. And God says, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. First, he says, Moses, I'm going to disinherit them. I'm going to disinherit all of them. I'm done with them, and I'm going, to start over with, I'm going to start over with you, just you and me, Moses. And what do you think Moses says? No way. He says to God, no, we will not do this. And God, you say you're so powerful. I want you to show me your power by forgiving them. I mean, isn't this amazing, this story, this conversation between Moses and God? And so the 40 years thing is, so in response, God says, well, okay, they are all going to die. And only their children will enter the promised land. Except for, after 40 years, two the two good spies, Joshua and Caleb. And now we know why those names are so popular in Christian families, Joshua and Caleb. And this is just cool. I love these stories. But let's step back from that story for a minute. And and don't worry, we're going to do all three Bible content questions. But looking back at Psalm 1 that we read earlier, and I'm using a different translation, but we can follow this one here. Blessed are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread. Yeah, I'm looking at the translation. There we go. Nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law they meditate day and night. In the Old Testament, here at least, the the word for law is Torah. We are to delight in the Torah of the Lord. Torah can refer to the first five books of the Bible, or in this case, it's referring to all of the instruction of the Lord. We delight in the Torah of the Lord. So, (coughs) excuse me. So, when we hear this phrase, delight in the law of the Lord, delight in the Torah of the Lord, what do we think that means? Is the Bible a giant rule book? 
And we're supposed to learn the rules, meditate and memorize on those rules. The Bible is our rule book, and we darn sure better follow those rules. Is that how we see the Bible? Many people, many, see the Bible as a giant rule book. But, but when we open the Bible itself, what do we find? The Bible is mostly stories. And even the first five books of the Bible that are called the law, those five books also are mostly stories, stories of the Lord. And it's on these stories, it's on these stories that we are, that we are to meditate day and night. And uh, this doesn't mean that it's easy. Rule books are easy, but we meditate and memorize stories. And even when we get laws and rules in the Bible, these same rules come to us in the context of stories, stories that require engagement and interpretation and application with the Holy Spirit as our guide as we in our community 3,000 years later than when they took place, we continue to reflect upon these stories knowing that they've been been given to us by God. To be biblically rooted means that we delight in the stories of the Lord, and on those stories we meditate day and night. And through these stories, we find hope, wisdom, and insight for living as God's people in our day, many generations removed from Moses and the 12 spies on the outskirts of Canaan 3,000 years ago. Here's our second Bible content exam question. So you remember how you did on the first one. Here's the second. In the Psalms, what words immediately follow these? He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. A, for as the heavens are high above the earth, blah. B, hear my cry, O God. C, may God be gracious to us and bless us. Or D, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. What? is the right answer. You got it? You got it? Okay. And the answer is A. Another happy person. Someone is very sad over here. (laughs) Uh, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love for us. Uh, This is so good. Now, just kind of a side note here. The Bible comes to us as narratives, and the Bible comes to us as poetry, among other genres that we find in the Bible. And now poetry, poetry doesn't make a very good rule book, does it? Now poetry is meant to be emotive. Uh, Poetry helps us feel things. And many times, poetry in the Psalms helps us find the words to connect with God in the different stages of our lives, and I'd say especially when the wheels fall off. That's what poetry does. Uh, But I want to point out something else here. In in Psalm 103, which is where that verse came from in the answer, uh, the Bible says in Psalm 103, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. We're talking about sin here and what happens when we sin. But the Bible also says in Exodus 20, you shall not bow down to worship them, idols, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, 
punishing the children for the sin or the iniquity of parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me. This is not quite the same, is it? Here God says, when you sin, I'm going to punish you, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and your great-great-great-grandchildren for your sin, all because of you. But wait, here's another verse. In Ezekiel 18, God says this. Aw. So first we had, we have three sentences here. We had this, this from Psalms, from Exodus. Here's a third sentence about sin. Uh, in Ezekiel, God says, A child shall not suffer for the iniquity of a parent, nor a parent suffer for the iniquity of a child. The righteousness of the righteous shall be their own. Now, do we recognize that those are three different statements, all from the Bible? Which one is true? What are we supposed to believe? You see, I think a lot of people want to read the Bible, and we're told things, especially in the evangelical tribe that a lot of us are a part of. We're told the Bible is clear. We're told the Bible doesn't really need interpretation. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. But then, when we actually start reading the Bible, it doesn't take too long to realize that sometimes the Bible can be pretty darn ambiguous. Here are three different verses about sin, and these three statements definitely do not agree with each other. See, as readers, we're invited into the story to, to engage with the characters and with the story itself. And to be changed by that engagement, we journey with Frodo and Sam. As readers, we're invited into the story to, to engage with the characters and with the story itself. To be changed by that enga engagement, we experience with Boromir the temptation of power in the face of a great threat. This is how stories work, and the Bible is full of stories. The Bible is not the clear rule book that we were told it was and sometimes it looks like the Bible is contradicting itself. Like when the Apostle Paul in the New Testament says in one place that women should be able to pray and prophesy in the congregation just like everyone else. And then in another letter, Paul says that women should stay silent in the churches. I'm not kidding. Or take Job, the book of Job in the Old Testament. And Proverbs is also in the Old Testament, and they're both right after Psalms. Now, you may not know this, but Job is the anti-Proverbs. If you're not familiar with the story of Job, that story is astounding and terrifying and amazing. Terrible things happen to Job. He loses everything, and all of his children die. And then these four friends come, one after another, to remonstrate with Job about how he must have sinned or else how could these bad things be happening to him. And as they do this, it's like they're quoting from the book of Proverbs. The Bible says, Job, bad things don't happen to good people. 
and bad things are happening to you, therefore you must have sinned and you need to repent. But we, the reader, this is the coolest thing about the book of Job. We, the reader, know the truth about Job because God himself in the first chapter says about Job, he is completely blameless. He is upright. Job has no equal on the face of the earth. Job is righteous by God's own declaration. And this is what I mean about a conversation happening in the Bible. Uh, Proverbs is the ordered world. And in Proverbs, we get the sentiment, you know, bad things really don't happen to good people. You know, bad things happen to bad people. Be good and good things will happen to you. Bad things don't happen to good people. And then we get Job, Job the anti-Proverbs. Oh yeah, bad things can happen to good people too. And they're right next to each other in the Bible. And they're supposed to be. It's not an accident. And so, when faced with this uh, ancient and ambiguous text called the Bible, after trying it for a while, many people just finally give up. Why? Because we started with the wrong expectations about what the Bible is and how the Bible works. See, it's not a design flaw that the Bible is ambiguous. The Bible, as it is, it invites us into a conversation. Job versus Proverbs is a conversation. I mean, do you see it? It's a conversation, and this conversation is happening within the Bible itself. Job versus Proverbs, or in the New Testament, salvation by grace alone versus, quote, faith without works is dead. Do you see it's a conversation? And it's beautiful. I mean, once we give up our idol as the the Bible as a rule book, or our idol as the Bible doesn't need interpretation, once we accept the Bible for what it is and not for what it's not, then the Bible can come alive for us. Biblically rooted means that we join a conversation, a conversation that is already happening within the Bible itself. Okay, here's our third Bible content question. Uh, In the Gospels, what did the householder say when many excused themselves from the householder's great banquet? Uh, Bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. I'll never again drink the fruit of the vine. C, I will send my beloved son. Or D, it will be hard for a rich person to enter their kingdom of heaven. Do you have your answer selected? And the correct answer is A. Bring in the poor, the blind. Uh, yeah, you're telling your friend that you were right and she was wrong. I see that. Yeah. Luke chapter 14. So we have these six dis- distinctives, and uh, last week Fabs preached on Jesus centered, and there's a really strong connection between biblically rooted and Jesus centered. But, you know, first let me recap a little bit. Biblically rooted means, number one, that we enter the story. The story starts a long time before us, and the story comes to us in the forms and manners of an ancient time far removed from the 21st century West. Nonetheless, to be biblically rooted means that we delight in the Torah 
in the instruction, in the stories of the Lord. And on these stories, we meditate day and night. And through these stories, we find hope, wisdom, and insight for living as God's people in our day. Second, biblically rooted means that we join the conversation. This conversation has already begun within the pages of the Bible itself. The Bible is not univocal. There's more than one voice. It's Job versus Proverbs. Uh, And all these voices are superintended by God, but they are not all the same. It's a conversation, and we're invited into that conversation. All the voices together are inspired, meaning they all come from, they come from and are filled with God's very own spirit. And all these voices together are meant for our formation that we best become God's people in our day doing God's work. To be biblically rooted means that we enter the story and we join the conversation And God's people in every generation, from Moses to us today, for 3,000 years, God's people in every generation have taken up this invitation to enter the story and join the conversation. And we here today are a part of that same conversation. We here today, this is another part of what it means to be biblically rooted. Okay, here's the third thing I want to share about being biblically rooted. Jesus is our guide. And Fab's introduced it last week. We have a hermeneutic for reading the Bible, or to say it another way, we have an anchor, we have an interpretive map, we have a guide, we have a home base for reading the Bible, and that anchor is Jesus. As Fab said, quoting the New Testament, Jesus is the visible expression of the invisible God. God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, Jesus. Or or how about this from John chapter 1, and the word became flesh and and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only, glory of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Biblically rooted means that Jesus is our guide to the Bible. Uh, and, And for instance, there's a lot of weird stuff in the Bible. It's weird to us because we don't live in Iron Age 1 or Iron Age 2. I mean, do we realize that, it, that today in the year 2023, we are closer to the year 4,000 in the future than we are to anything that happened in the Bible before Jesus? We are closer to the year 4,000 A.D. than anything that happened in the time before Jesus. There's places in the Old Testament where women and children are seen as man's property, where slavery is taken for granted. And and what do you do when you invade a country? Well, obviously, you kill everyone who's there. And none of this would have caused even the slightest heartburn, even to the most sensitive soul in the year 600 BCE. But to us... Yeah, you bet. It it creates heartburn for us. This is why Jesus is our guide. So whatever we think we think about God, we use Jesus as our anchor because Jesus is the visible expression of the invisible God. Jesus is our guide. 
I don't want to change the Bible. I don't want to change even the Old Testament. But rather, I want to enter that world and I want to enter and experience the stories. I want to hear the conversation that's already happening within that world, within the text of the Bible. And as I do, I want Jesus to be my guide. So I'm going to bring us to a close. Uh, and thank you for the honor of sharing these thoughts today. Uh, by the way, this time you can brag. Who made three out of three? Raise your hand high right now. Amen, brother. Amen, brother. Amen, sister. Good job. And I mean that. You wouldn't believe how poorly these students would do on the preparation course. And so, amen. And now, there's only, way, there's only one way that you're going to pass a Bible content exam, and that's to have a broad familiarity with the Scriptures. And it's kind of like a relationship. You, you can't rush it. It just happens. It, it happens over time as we spend time together. And like any relationship, it takes intention. Back in Psalm 1, in verse 3, there's this line. Uh, Psalm 1, verse 3, there's this line. That person will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Planted, the Hebrew word, that, that verb there, it's not like the tree just happened to be by a stream. Like, oh, lucky tree. Like, no, that, that tree was literally, purposefully, intentionally planted next to the stream. It takes intention, and it takes intention for us to be biblically rooted. We have a, a graphic about being practice based, or it, this is our practice-based graphic. By the way, that's another distinctive that we're going to preach on. And if you notice right here, Scripture before screen, and it's in the daily circle. And that's our suggestion, honestly. I mean, we're a practice-based church. This is a great image to really understand and to be informed by and inspired by. And you know what? If we want to become biblically rooted individually, we should be spending time in the Scriptures every day, right? I mean, like, we can do that. Uh, and sometimes we also need some tools to help us understand the Bible best, to help us understand the world back then and to bridge the gap between the then and the now and so we mentioned it on the announcements a few minutes ago. We actually have a Vine cohort starting this week on Tuesday night called Untangling the Bible, and you're all invited. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Natalie, for joining. Uh, Stephanie and I, the four of us, we're, we're doing that cohort together. Okay, so wherever you're at with the Bible, it's It's okay. My goal today is to give us a nudge, if we give each of us a nudge. We've said three big things about being biblically rooted. We've said that biblically rooted means that we enter the story. We've said that biblically rooted means that we join the conversation. And we've said that biblically rooted means that Jesus is our guide. Let us all take a next step together. We hope you found this message encouraging. 
If you would like to learn more about The Vine, get connected to our community, or contribute financially to The Vine's ministry, go to our website at thevineaustin.org.